Uh, thank you and welcome to another segment of the Jane Irrigation Training Series. And today I am uh, super excited to have uh, uh, two guests from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo today. And I say that because of a couple of reasons. One, uh, anytime we have people from uh, people on from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, uh, we get great crowds. Uh, you guys do such a great job with irrigation and Dr. Gowdy, especially uh, your presentations are really popular. So uh, thank you again for joining us today. Um, and then we're also talking about, you know, some basic irrigation uh, hydraulics and then learning about Cal Poly and how we can learn more about irrigation and other areas of uh, ag engineering. And uh, you know, this is really an important field that uh, I always say doesn't really get enough publicity or people don't learn enough about it to really know all the different areas you can go, go into. So there's a lot more to ag engineering than irrigation, believe it or not, for people like me. But uh, it's, uh, it's interesting, it's fascinating, and, uh, and we're gonna learn that as well today. So uh, taking us on this uh, journey today uh, is uh, Dr. Gowdy, who's going to be talking uh, first about uh, irrigation hydraulics. And, uh, you know, Dr. Gowdy, as I mentioned, always one of our most popular uh, presenters here. I don't know if it's because you're uh, such a good presenter or you always ask me questions I don't know the answers to. But, uh, uh, but really, uh, the one thing that I, I think uh, Dr. Gowdy is so uh, talented with is uh, he actually makes uh, learning about irrigation fun and interesting, and that's really hard to do for a lot of people. So, uh, so uh, uh, Dr. Gowdy, thank you for joining us again and being back here and, and helping us out. And thank then you, uh, Dr. Livingston, this is really my first chance to uh, get to meet you and know you, but uh, you know, we're, uh, we're both former Wildcats uh, and uh, you're now at uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Um, great background uh, as the head of the bio resource and ag engineering department at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Um, you've been involved in this industry for 35 years. I know you bring a lot to the table and uh, I can imagine um, running or being the head of that department has uh, got its challenges, but by the reputation of the school and the department, you've been doing a fantastic job. So thanks for being on and, uh, and talking to us uh, a little bit uh, about that uh, department as well. So thank you. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, you bet. So, uh, Dr. Gowdy, let's talk uh, irrigation hydraulics to start with. Why is this such a uh, important subject, and uh, and why are people so interested in it? Well, it, uh, it's important because that's how water moves, right? I mean, obviously, you have to understand uh, hydraulics in order to make water move. And and uh, one of the things teaching this class now for over a decade, I guess, um, you realize that it's kind of counterintuitive in a way. And, People get mixed up and, uh, you know, uh, smaller pipe is better, right? And when uh, we all know that it's not, but, uh, but intuitively you think it is because you see the water shooting through the pipe, you think that's more pressure. But so what I'd like to do is kind of just uh, hit some of the highlights here. You know, uh, I don't have a whole lot of time to, to cover everything today, but um, just want to hit some highlights and, and answer some questions if there's some questions, uh, if I can. And then uh, maybe I'll relate it to uh, beer drinking because that's usually what I do in my classes and everybody always gets it. <laughs> so uh, happy, to, happy to help here. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna share my screen and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and, and kind of start writing some things down here. So let me, let me get my screen shared here. This is great, you know, because I always heard of beer drinking, you know, in economics class, right? The law of diminishing returns. Uh, never in, uh, in irrigation, though. So I'm really excited to hear this. <laughs> All right. So you can see my whiteboard here. Yes. Yeah, looks great. All right. Perfect. All right. So, uh, you know, there's lots of equations and so forth uh, that we could go through, but I want to just kind of focus on some of the more basic stuff. Um, again, because I don't have a ton of time here, but what I plan on doing is sharing some links with you of actual um, a lab that uh, that I teach to Cal Poly students, a three hour lab, and we actually go out there and collect the data and so forth. But when we had to go virtual, I, uh, I made a virtual labs. And so I figured I'd share that with those of you that are on the call here, if you're interested. So you can definitely get a lot more into what I'm going to be talking about here for the next 20 minutes or so. Okay. So uh, the first, go ahead. Yeah, it sounds great. Okay, yeah, and uh, I've got the links all set up. I'll put them in the chat here probably when I'm done. But um, keep in mind though, that they are set up for my class. And so uh, 
they have a form that they would normally fill out and so forth. Uh, so you won't have access to that, but you'll get the, the big picture of, of it. So um, when it comes to basic hydraulics, you know, there's really, uh, in terms of uh, pipeline hydraulics, there's really three components of energy. Okay, and so those three components um, are uh, pressure, elevation, and uh, what we call velocity head. And if you think back to your physics classes, you know you might remember you have like um, potential energy and kinetic energy, and that's kind of what you know these two maybe would fall into the potential energy, and this would be like a uh, kinetic energy, it's movement, right? And so when you have these three components here, these are again, the three that we use in, in irrigation pipelines. Um, there's a guy named Bernoulli and Bernoulli realized that the energy that you have on one side of the pipe has to be equal to the energy on the other side of the pipe. And so using these three things here, Bernoulli said, um, he said that the pressure at point A, so let's actually just draw a pipe down here real quickly. Right, and let's just assume it's level for right now. So the pressure at point A over here, and this is point B over there, the pressure at A plus the elevation at A plus the velocity head, which written as an equation is V squared over two G. So that's the velocity in feet per second over two times gravity must be equal to, okay, the pressure at B plus the elevation at B plus the velocity head at B. And so, According to Bernoulli, they have to be equal, right? Well, and they are, it's, that's the way it works. But the problem is, is that this is only for a static condition. This particular equation is static, which means that you don't have any movement of water, right? So when you have movement of water, uh, does anybody know, you can type in the chat, does anybody know what, uh, what we have when there's water flowing? What, what do we get? It's one word and it kind of always ends up being the, the key to all this friction. That's right, Andy. Oh, I know Andy. All right, so uh, yeah, friction. So friction is the answer here, right? And so now we have to look at this and we have to say, okay, what happens, right? When you have friction. So according to this, right? If, our, if this is perfectly flat ground, right? So the elevation in both cases would be zero, right? Elevation is equal to zero on both sides, right? And let's just say you had 60 PSI over here. Right, so that'd be 60 PSI of pressure, right? And in uh, velocity is zero because there's no flow, it's static, right? So that means that this basically is, uh, it's not accounted for, so velocity head is also zero. So what must, this is a 60 here, what must the pressure be on this side according to Bernoulli, right? Well, according to Bernoulli, it must be 60 PSI on this side as well, okay? But now when there's movement, when there's flow, we have friction. So uh, there are four components here. I'm going to slide down a little bit. There are four factors that affect friction. And by the way, this little H of F here is the uh, symbol for friction. Right? So those four factors that affect it are uh, the flow rate, obviously, GPM is one of them. The more flow you have, the more friction you have. Okay. Um, the next one that affects it is what we refer to as the roughness. Roughness is the C value. You might see a C value uh, if you're looking at a, a table or something about friction. Okay. The inside diameter, so that's ID there. The inside diameter of a pipe affects it. The smaller the pipe, the more friction you're going to have for the same given flow rate. Okay. And then the last one is uh, the length. Okay. The longer the pipe, the more friction you're going to have. So if you double the length of the pipe, you would double the friction, right? That one's pretty easy. So these four factors uh, basically go into what's referred to as the Hayes and Williams equation. And Hayes and Williams equation is this. It says that friction in feet, by the way, comes out in feet if you use this equation, not in PSI. So you have to make sure you're you got your units right that you're looking for. It's equal to 10.5, which is just a constant, choose up all of the units, times the flow rate in GPM over our C value. All of that's raised to the 1.852 
times the length of our pipe times the inside diameter of our pipe to the negative 4.87. So that looks like a pretty nasty equation, right? I mean, it's got some you know, exponents on it and, and they're not like just nice round numbers like square. But if you, if you look at it kind of simply here, raised to the 1.852 is pretty close to squared, right? So if you, uh, if you take the flow rate basically, and then assuming that the C value remains the same, right? You can basically say, okay, if I, if I had a flow rate of one, one squared is one, right? And so the answer, all other things equal would come out as one. But now if I doubled the flow rate to two, right? Now two squared is four. So instead of having a flow rate of one, I would have one times friction. Now, if I doubled the flow rate, I almost have four times friction. You actually get about 3.8 times as much friction. And so that's where, uh, you know, the Hazen-Williams equation kind of comes in handy is if you know your flow rate, your length, your inside diameter, and your roughness, then you can figure out how much friction you have. Okay. And so uh, looking at this, you know, like, well, how do you know what the C value is, right? I mean, how do you know what the roughness is of a pipe? And of course, uh, we have some books and so forth, and you can find it on the internet too. You can look up what C values are. Uh, for PVC pipe, typically greater than about uh, five inches in diameter, we say the C value is 150. Okay? If you have an old rusty steel pipe, the C value would be about 100. If you're using an aluminum sprinkler pipe, it would be around 120, right? And I've got all these numbers memorized because I teach it, but you know, normally you would look these numbers up to put it in there, but Okay, and then the inside diameter. How in the world do you know what the inside diameter is, right? Um, looking at the inside diameter, you could say, well, uh, it's a six inch pipe, it's six inch ID. And that's really not accurate at all. It, it's close to the inside diameter typically, but it depends. Are we talking about class 160? Are we talking about class 200? Are we talking about schedule 40? You know, all of those have a different inside diameter. The outside diameter is actually the same on all those pipes because we need fittings to be able to fit, and right? And we connect our pipes together through the outside of the pipe. So, but the wall thickness changes depending on what, uh, what pipe we're using. So you have to look those up in a table. Manufacturer where you buy your pipe from will tell you what the inside diameter is. So if you really wanna know what the friction is in a certain length of pipe with a certain diameter and a certain roughness and a certain flow rate, Right, you have to get into the details on it. What is the actual inside diameter? Don't just use six if you're using a six inch pipe, for example. Right, what is the actual length? Don't guess at it and say, Well, you know, you know, that's one of my favorite things. How far do we run water? I'll ask students in a class, you know, and they'll be like, Oh, like 200 feet. I'm like, Well, maybe like, you know, <laughs> a lot longer than that, depending on what we're doing. So, got to really know your lengths too. Okay, so, um. You know, so now that we know Bernoulli's equation and Hazen-Williams equation, uh, we can now go back to Bernoulli's equation knowing what the friction is, and we can go now to a dynamic condition, right? And this dynamic condition now, so remember, this was the equation for static, and remember, you basically can ignore this because when it's static, there is no velocity, so velocity is zero, so that means the, that part is zero. So, but when we go back to dynamic now, so for dynamic, right? It's still the same equation. We need to know the pressure at elevation A plus, or excuse me, the pressure at A, elevation at A, plus the velocity head at A must be equal to the pressure at B plus the elevation at B plus the velocity head at B, and then plus friction. Now you'll notice friction is only on one side of the equation. Friction is not on both sides. And the reason why is because, uh, pressure and elevation occur at a point. So if I was to draw another pipeline here, something like this, right? You have a point here that has a pressure, let's just say it's 60 PSI again, and an elevation, let's just say it's 10 feet, okay? And then down here, you now have another point, this is point B, where we don't know what the pressure is, right? Pressure at B, and then we know the elevation also down here. And we could just say the elevation is zero feet, right? So change 10 feet in elevation, okay? So we, and by the way, the velocity at this point and this point, um, assuming there's no outlets here, what would the velocity be at point A and point B? You know, the certain amount of flow going through there, it would be the same velocity. And so often 
uh, for this reason, and I can get into this in more detail, uh, actually you can see in the videos, but often in pipeline situations, we just ignore velocity head because it ends up being the same at both location A and B if there's no outlets. It ends up just being the same, uh, the same speed that the water is moving through the pipe, so we ignore it. So that means we can simplify this equation as the pressure at A plus the elevation at A is equal to the pressure at B plus the elevation at B plus friction. Now again, why is friction only on one side? And the reason for that is because friction occurs between these two points. As this water flows, let's say in this direction, it occurs between the two points. And so you, uh, you don't have friction at, at that point. And at that point, you have to know where you started and where you ended to know how much friction there is. Okay. And so that's why it's only on one side of the equation. Uh, if you would like, I can kind of go through, finish off this example, doing a little bit of math here so you can see what the answer would be down here, right? So let's go ahead and do that. So we know that it's 60, right? So uh, by the way, what are we solving for? Let's rearrange our equation. We're solving for the variable down here, which would be the elevation. We call this B and A. By the way, the way I'm writing this B and A, the water always has to flow from A to B. So if the water was flowing in this direction, that means this side would have to be over here would have to be A and this side over here would have to be B. But sticking with our initial one here where the water is flowing uh, in this direction, this side would be A and that would be B. So we're solving for pressure at B. So let's rearrange our equation solving for this. So the pressure at B is gonna be equal to um, the pressure at A plus the elevation at A and then we're gonna subtract elevation of B and move it over. So minus the elevation of B, and then we're gonna subtract the friction, minus the friction, okay? So uh, the pressure at A, we said was 60 PSI. And this is where I always get my students. I say, what's the elevation at A? And they say 10, right? But the units there are different, right? And so you have to keep the units the same. And so 10 feet, you might recall one PSI, is 2.31 feet. So that means it's 4.33 PSI. Okay, so this would be 4.33 PSI. Our elevation at B was zero, so that means it's zero PSI. And then we need to figure out our friction, right? And so uh, we now have to use Hayes and Williams equation to figure out friction. So I'm just gonna make up some numbers here. Let's just say we had 400 gallons a minute going through our pipe. Let's say it's a PVC pipe, so it's 150. Let's say our length is one mile, so that'd be 5,280 feet. And the inside diameter of a uh, class 160 pipe is 6.115, okay? And so that's raised to the negative 4.87. So if you have a calculator, right, we can do this in pieces here. Um, I, that's usually how I do it. So, uh, 400 divided by 150 is, oops, I obviously hit a wrong button. I got uh, a big number, so I know I did it wrong. So that's 2.66 and then raised to the 1.852. So this value here, I'm gonna change my pen color if I can. Uh, that way you guys can see it better here. So the answer for this piece here is 0 0.0373 then times the 5280, and then times the 10 and a half, right? That's this piece up here. And then we need to just figure out the last piece there, which is uh, 6.115 raised to the negative 4.87, which is a very small number, 0. 0.00048, okay? So multiplying those four red numbers together here, right? times 5280 times 0 0.07 times uh, 10.5. I messed up. Let me see where I messed up. Did you change your, oh, is everything in feet or in no, PSI? I, yeah, the answer comes out in feet. That's a great point there. But I think what I did was, is I didn't hit equals on my one answer there before I, uh, so my, Calculator was doing the wrong order of operations. Times uh, negative 4.87. Has anybody got an answer? 
I'm watching the chat and both the Q and A, and I'm not seeing it yet, Frank. But um, oh man, they're making me do all the work. Fifty point three six is the uh, one answer I see in there right now. Fifty point three six feet. Yeah, feet. Okay. Feel right. And uh, somebody else is pointing out that the gallons per minute over C is not correct in red. Yeah, I think that is my mistake, actually. That's what this happens is when I try to go too fast. Our uh, to catch all this. Uh, it's great. 400 divided by 150. You know what? I didn't do the, the equal sign on that. That's why I think I got the wrong answer there. And then somebody the else has a... Yeah. So, yeah, this should be 6.15. There it is. Okay. And then somebody else has a 40.5 answer as well. 0.000148. Yeah. 40.5. Yeah. And, but we also have a 50.46. I'm getting a 50.46. Okay. <laughs> and somebody says their head hurts right now. <laughs> yeah, Time sorry. to drink the beer. <laughs> so yeah, I'm getting 50.46. My apologies. I, I was using my phone as a calculator, which is never a good idea. I, I need to go to my real calculator. But any case, so that's feet, right? And remember down here, we need it in PSI. So we have to convert that. So 50.46 PS or uh, feet, excuse me, times... One PSI is 2.31 uh, feet. So divide that by 2.31. And so we're getting about 21.8. Man, I'm sorry, I'm writing on a vertical screen, so I'm a little sloppy. Okay, so there's our friction. So you go back over here and you go 21.8, right, PSI. And so now you can do the math here of 60 uh, plus 4.3. Now, why are we adding the 4.3? You can tell me that. Let's the reason is because, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, let's give them a moment. But uh, yeah, let's hear it. Okay. The reason is because we went downhill, right? From location A to location B, it went downhill. So we're adding that, right? And so... Uh, that's why we gain a little bit of energy because of elevation. So going back up here, remember the components here. So we're gaining some because of elevation, right? And then we started with a given pressure there. And then uh, now we got to subtract our friction. So that means that the pressure at this end over here, right, would be 42.53. I think maybe somebody went all the way to the answer when they were telling us that number or something. Right, so that's 42.53. Okay, so you can see the pressure dropped between location A, oops, which was 60, and location B because of friction. It went up a little bit because of elevation change, but it went down more because of friction. And of course, we could plug these numbers back up into the original Bernoulli's equation here. I'll show you. We could put the 60 here plus the elevation, which was 4.33. We've got the 42.53. We have the zero and we have the 21.8, right? If you add these two numbers together, or three numbers really, one zero, and then you add these two together, what do we get? 4.33. yeah, they are equal as Bernoulli says they should be, okay? So, um, you know, lots, lots to learn here. Again, I, I did whatever, 20 minutes on this just now. Um, I have several lectures there uh, that, oh, here, I will post those right now. Uh, if there's any questions, I don't know, I wasn't monitoring the chat, but if there's, yeah, we, oh we yeah. Gotta, we got a couple. I need to talk about the beer part. Yeah, <laughs> most importantly. Um, Oh, the hyperlinks didn't come through those, did they? Okay, I'll, I'll get you guys the hyperlinks while, uh, while you Peter's know, talking. You know, Dr. Gowdy, if you send it to me, I'll be sure when we send out the recording to everybody, I include those hyperlinks Okay, there. I can do that for sure. Yeah, then that, they'll have them for sure. So, yeah, just, uh, you know, the, the next piece of this is, um, is what we refer to as the hydraulic grade lines, right? 
So if you had a X, Y scale here, this is distance and this is um, um, energy. Energy being the, the components, right? Pressure, elevation, and velocity head, right? And so what I'll do is I actually have a, we have at the I Irrigation Training Research Center, we have a test stand where they can actually determine what the hydraulic grade line is at different flow rates because we have clear plastic tubes on, on top of the pipes and they can measure what the uh, pressure energy is in the pipe. So what they'll see is if we have zero flow coming out the end, that the energy is nice and constant, right? Because according to Bernoulli, the energy at one point has to be equal to the energy at another point. And so the energy ends up being the same. Then as I turn on a little bit of water, a little bit of flow, you lose a little bit of energy just getting into the pipe there, right? Entrance loss, minor loss. And then you have friction through the pipeline. And so it ends up looking like this, right? And then I'll turn on even more flow, a high flow rate, and it'll look something like this, where we've used basically all of the energy that's available. And then I, we also have a valve in the middle here, right? And a valve at the end. So what I've been showing you right now with these hydraulic grade lines is the valve at the end is, uh, is just open or, or we're slowly opening it, more flow. So this was zero flow. Let's make sure we got this zero, little flow, low flow, and then high flow all out of this valve at the end, okay? Now, what if we were to open the valve in the middle and close the valve on the end, right? So now we only have flow going to this portion of the pipe here, and we no longer have flow going here, right? So what the hydraulic grade line looks like in that case is it basically will go down and then it goes flat. And so why does it go flat? Because there's no velocity here. And if there's no velocity, there's no friction. And so what I do is I relate, and this of course is after we collected data for about an hour, adjusting the flows and everything out there. And so what I do then is I, I ask them, okay, when do you go to the bar, right? And they all say, we go to the bar at like 9 a.m. I said, okay, 9 a.m. Some of them do go to the bar at 9 a.m. 9 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then what time do you leave? They always say, well, when it closes, of course, you know, which is like 2 a.m. And so I said, now, if, if you were static, right? you had no flow, that means that you didn't go to the bar and spend any money. So your bank account is nice and flat, right? The energy or the amount of money that you had when you started and when you ended would be the same. Got it. Okay. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm always giving them a hard time because uh, the exam's coming up right before or right after I do this particular lab. And then I explained to them, now you have this exam coming you need to drink with a low flow rate when you go out because you don't want to get, you know, hammered because then you won't do good on my exam. Right. And so I say, drink with a low flow rate here. I said, when you drink with a low flow rate, what happens? You go into a bar, typically some of the bars charge what's, you know, an entrance fee. Right. And so you pay that entrance fee. You have a little bit of loss that occurs right here at the beginning. You know, that's a minor loss. Right. And then you drink, actually it should be to the green line there, but in any case, and then you drink a little bit, you know, one beer an hour. So your bank account nice and consistently drops. And then I say, what is the difference between here and here then? Right? This is the energy that you used. This is your friction, right? This is how much money you lost from your account because you chose to drink at that rate. Then I go on and I say, okay, now let's go to a high flow rate, right? It's after the exam now, you know, it's a Saturday night, right? You're going to go to the bar. You go to a different bar. It has a higher cover charge here. So you pay a little bit more to get in. And then it's like shots, 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 right? And you're just, just pounding away here, right? And so what happens to your bank account in this particular case, right? High flow rate, you're drinking with a high flow rate there. So therefore your, your bank account really drops off. Okay. And then usually I have a little bit of energy left or a little bit of money left here. And I say, could you have drinking with a higher flow rate? Because, you know, this is where the line ultimately ends. And they say, oh, yeah, I could, because I still had a little bit of energy to burn. And I say, yeah, you still had some money to burn in your bank account, right? And then the last one, of course, is the middle valve, right? Where we turn this valve on and this valve's off. And I say, this is like going home at midnight, you know? Well, I guess that would be 12 a.m., right? It's like going home at midnight. You basically drink a little bit until midnight. And then your account goes flat, right? And so you don't uh, consume all of your energy because you stop drinking. And in a lot of cases, students will actually think that this hydraulic grade line will come back up 
but it doesn't, right? Once you spent that money on that beer, right? You can't get that money back. So um, any case, so that's kind of one of my little stories there that I tell them and, and it seems to help them make sense of it all. But higher drinking with a higher flow rate means your bank account goes down more. And that's kind of the bottom line on this, right? <laughs> so if you yeah. have more the pipe, you got more, uh, you got more friction. Yeah. What a great way to remember that, right? That type of story will, uh, will stay with us all long after, uh, long after this lecture. So, uh, Thank you. Yeah, I usually get students that will come back and they're like, I don't remember a whole lot, but I remember a beer drinking story. <laughs> right. And then uh, the, the other, the last thing I want to ask about this, um, Dr. Gowdy, is why is this important? Why should we be doing this calculation before we lay out an irrigation system? Yeah, you know, that's a, uh, that's a really good question. See, prior to having, if we're talking about drip, right, let's talk about drip in particular, because I think that's where most people's interest lies. With the with the invention of a pressure compensating emitter, it can make a really uh, poor designer actually look pretty good because the pressure compensating emitter can, can take all of the non-uniformity out of the field uh, due to pressure variation. And so it's really a good idea to size pipes correctly. So that way you have minimal pressure differences and you know, uh, keep uh, the water applied as evenly as possible by keeping the pressure as uniform as possible. So, Lower flow rates, bigger pipes are what allow us to, uh, to keep the pressures more uniform. And by doing these calculations, we can see how much pressure variation we might have in a field uh, because, of those, um, because of those choices, those decisions that we make as designers. Yeah. yeah. And well, to continue on, we, we can look at it as a, a, a life cycle analysis and say, okay, if we go with a smaller pipe, if we save money up front, but we're going to pay for it in energy. So right. look at the life of the crop and see if you're going to pay for it in the long run or if you, need, you can save some money up front and save power in the long run. Yeah, very good. So, um, yeah, good, uh, good Dave, there. I don't know who, what Dave, which Dave that is by his last name, but uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. He doesn't remember that lesson because he must have had a high flow rate the night before. So <laughs> very good, Dave. So, so, Dr. Livingston, you've been at Cal Poly now for over five years as uh, the department head. Um, you know, I appreciate Cal Poly so much from two standpoints. So one, you know, for adult learners that want to go back, you guys have classes and availability for that through, uh, through uh, the college or through the uh, training and research center. Uh, and uh, the, the quality is so high. Know anybody who's uh, thinking about uh, expanding their knowledge of, uh, of irrigation, uh, is thinking about Cal Poly. Uh, you've been there now five years plus. Uh, what are some of the things that have been done that you're most proud of? Okay, you know, before I do that, this the beer story does tie to another second half, and that is, is that reclaimed water is getting to be very important, and beer consumption ties to a higher percentage of of uh, flows coming for reclaimed water. So, so don't worry about keeping drinking drinking beer because we're using that reclaimed water on our on our turf and on our uh, our trees anyway. So don't you know it's not necessarily a bad thing to be be doing the high flows. So just just remember that good old purple pipe. All right. So, but what do I? What am I most proud of? I, you know, I'm really most proud of is student success. That's our our whole goal at Cal Poly is to have students ready day one. Uh, for their great paying jobs. And they and our students don't get jobs, they get careers. You know, we like to think that, that our students are going out there and they're making a difference, they're building a career for themselves and they're making a difference to society. And our faculty do an amazing job at producing independent thinkers and problem solvers. So that, that's what I'm most proud of. Uh, the other thing is while I've been there, I've been able to hire uh, and, and bring up four people into our tenure track Faculty members, we were really light on uh, uh, faculty. A, a quick answer to that is yes, we do offer a master's degree in, in irrigation and also in water engineering. So we have two master's degrees. You can get a general master's degree and an MS in agriculture with an emphasis in irrigation and you can also do a, 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 a water engineering. But back to this, the, the four faculty members I brought up um, and two of our assistant professors made 10 year and got to associate and uh, one of our associates was moved up to full professor. So to me on, the, on the, the teaching side, it's a great way. I've been able to really change the direction of the, and modernize the, the program. And I think that uh, 
the water program has always been really, really strong and, and we needed to increase our robotics and, and some of that side of it. So I've really been able to, to bring in some new people to do that. And the third is the integration of industry. Everything we do at Cal Poly is, is tied to industry and our industry sponsors. Um, our industries uh, sponsor our, our senior design projects, our summer research programs. Um, we even this summer with, with COVID, I have eight students working down in the labs on research projects with faculty members and ITRC probably has 20 now and, and usually has 30 or 35. So um, we've really done a great job in, in continuing to utilize our students and that, that learn by doing and that, that uh, ready day one is, is two of our themes. Yeah, so um, bioresources and ag engineering is a lot more than just irrigation. Uh, for those of us not that familiar with those terms, what are some of the other areas of study and uh, careers that can come out of that? You know, what we really do is we, we service the, the ag industry. And, and, and my, my, in my mind, we're really looking at labor savings. Um, some, some schools are saying, let's go all autonomous and zero labor. I don't think our farmers are quite ready for that, but really labor savings is a lot of what we're teaching. So we've added classes in the past six years in ag robotics and automation. Uh, we're looking to add a class in big data because you know everybody's like, oh, get that drone out there, get that drone out there. Well, what are you gonna do with all that data? How are you gonna go through and use that data to some beneficial use? Data, just because you've got more, isn't necessarily good. So. Uh, we're going to be teaching the whole college about big data in, in a future class that we're looking at. Um, we're also increasing our greenhouse and uh, plant factory design and operation classes. Um, and with that, uh, we're looking at uh, uh, water quality because we're doing uh, more aqua. We've got aquaculture, fresh water and seawater. And so we're going to be teaching more about water quality and monitoring. Um, ITRC already has a great class in SCADA, and that's, I think, one of their key classes through the summer is operation and design of, of SCADA. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that, that's taking data, bringing it in, processing it, making a decision, and then sending it out. So a gate, you know, a farmer turns, turns off his irrigation, closes his gate, it causes a rise in the water level in a canal. The, another canal gate senses that or a sensor senses that and adjust it automatically adjusts that gate. So that's the kind of thing uh, that we're doing that with the SCADA. And Dr. Gowdy has been working on a new gate that, that really easily interacts with all of that. And so that's a really cool, cool part of it there. Um, precision agriculture is a class we teach to the entire college. Um, and with that, we have a new uh, Kubota side-by-side -side that was partially a donation from Kubota and partially from our Dean's uh, budget and then our own budget. Um, and that Kubota, we're setting that up with a auto steer and some crop monitoring equipment and a little spray equipment. And that'll be used for student teaching. Again, our, our purpose at Cal Poly is, is to produce students and your purpose out there is, is to, to hire those students. So with, with our side-by-side, uh, -side, um, you can have a, an instructor and three students and they can all be experiencing auto steer, whereas now we have auto steer and a tractor and it's hard to get an instructor and maybe one student into that auto steer tractor, but now with the four by four, that'll be really handy. Um, we also have GIS and photo uh, aerial photography and remote sensing classes. Uh, we have a new uh, drone uh, assisted surveying class and the students uh, that graduate out of that class, we have 100% pass rate on the uh, FAA um, uh, uh, drone pilot exam. So our students are able to become drone pilots and make it legal out there. I know most of you uh, use drones and, and don't necessarily have that license to do that, but uh, you should, but I'm not gonna be the one to say yes or no. And that I've never, can't admit that I've never played with a drone uh, that I shouldn't be playing with. Uh, so uh, especially when you're fishing out over the beach and you use it to see the deep, Never mind. we're not going, we're not going there. We're not going to talk about the bigger fish you can catch off a drone than, than otherwise. But we do have a drone assisted surveying class now. And I think we're pretty much the only class, um, the only school teaching fluid hydraulics. Uh, we use Dan, uh, Dan Foss's plus one uh, programming. Uh, and that's kind of for the automation equipment and the auto steers for the tractors. So. 
uh, we're on the only class or the only school west of the Mississippi now. It's kind of sad teaching that. So our students have a, an advantage over that. Uh, um, so that that's the the kind of the added things that we're bringing to uh, to our students here at Cal Poly. That's incredible. I uh, I wish I was in a position where I could come back to school because all those sound so fun and interesting. Um, you know, the, the class I want to take is the beekeeping class. It's always it's always impacted. I never can get in. I, I keep changing my name even. And for some reason, they never let me in. But I've always wanted to take our bee, beekeeping class. I think that'd be yeah. a great one. And the other thing I love that you said was this isn't necessarily technology for the sake of technology. It really is. Uh, what is the best class? What is the best technology that's going to help us with labor and food or help us be better producers of food? I love that connection on that. That's great. So, uh, Frank, what's happening with uh, Irrigation Training uh, Research Center now that uh, we, we should know about? Yeah, uh, there's a few things. So first is, is that we've had a contract with um, a technical service contract with USBR for, I don't know, 25 years or so. And we're trying to renew it again for another five years. We've been working on that. Things have been slowed down a little bit because of, uh, you know, COVID. But um, we're hoping to keep that going because that allows us to help growers uh, directly out in the field, uh, you know, and ir through irrigation districts and so forth. Um, we also have an agreement with the Bureau of Indian Affairs right now. Uh, we we're on our second uh, five-year contract with them where we are assisting, I think it's like 17 different Indian reservations around the West with uh, automation and so forth. We also, as part of that, we're training their young uh, Native American Indian students to get into water and learn this uh, technology. So we're working with uh, them to, to get them the classes and stuff that they need. Um, Sigma, of course, is a big deal. Uh, a lot of you guys are probably working with Sigma. Um, uh, Dr. Howes, Dan Howes has been helping uh, several water basins analyze their water consumption and so forth uh, in their basin to meet the requirements for Sigma. Um, I just, uh, Dr. Burt and I, uh, we have a contract through the CDFA and FREP. And so I, this uh, summer I spent uh, quite a bit of time making fertigation videos that are going to be available for free on YouTube. And uh, those videos, there's, I think, nine or 10 of them, and uh, they cover everything from the different pump injectors and stuff that you would potentially see out in the field to um, stuff like uh, incompatibility of fertilizers and how ammonia reacts with water at different pHs and all kinds of good stuff. So um, we're, uh, we're probably a month or two from uh, releasing that stuff, uh, again, all free on the internet. And by the way, with that, we're going to be giving out the fertigation book uh, free as well. So uh, in the description below the videos, the book is going to be uh, the second version of the fertigation book is going to be available for free. Uh, we've just kind of come to the conclusion that we need to do as much as we can to make people as efficient and productive as possible. So um, we've got a whole bunch of contracts with irrigation districts, you know, where we're helping with modernization, the SCADA stuff that Dr. Livingston was talking about before we're, we're doing that. Uh, we're teaching that. And, uh, and then lastly, we're doing a bunch of reuse water, wastewater reuse. I've had a contract for probably 15 years now where we're taking wastewater from uh, two LA cities and we're using it for uh, under center pivot irrigation for uh, quote unquote disposal reuse. And, uh, and so we're using that and uh, monitoring nitrate loads and all kinds of stuff. So it's keeping us busy. Um, we've got actually probably more work than uh, we can handle right at the moment because of, uh, you know, people are coming out and starting to get back going again. So, uh, so it's good. And, and we get students involved in all of this stuff too. Right. So those of you that maybe are a little older, but know somebody that is interested in coming to Cal Poly, feel free to give them my contact information or Dr. Livingston's contact information. We'll show you around and uh, we need to get uh, young, fresh minds right in this, in this program and into our field to, uh, to keep this going for, you know, the foreseeable future. So I encourage you guys. I, I know most of you probably are out of college at this point, but, uh, or don't want to go back, you know, but, uh, but if you know somebody, we're happy to, to help get them into the program. That's, uh, that's really great and generous of you guys. Thank you. Um, and, you know, such an important subject. Uh, we're learning more and more every day, right, about drought and water issues and challenges and um, affecting our food system. So this all becomes so much more important. And, uh, well, I love that idea of the fertigation video series. Can't wait to see that out. So um, 
So what this this was a good segue uh, for uh, Dr. Livingston. Now Cal Poly uh, has a reputation of being tough to get into, right? There's a lot of competition to get in. What uh, what advice do you have for potential students uh, and uh, and and maybe their parents to uh, to, to make this uh, process successful? So we've we've recently dropped the requirement for SAT and ACT scores, so they're not going to be part of the equation. But that makes your grades and, and your high school career more important. So um, you need to tell your kids, or if you're of that, if, if you're younger and thinking about coming here, that that's important to keep track of. And you need to be worried about that from ninth grade on. So um, you know you don't need to have necessarily a right at a 4.0, but boy, you've got to have a weighted 3.9 or better, um, which means you really have to take some of those AP classes and the AP classes or the dual enrollment at a community college or what beef your, your GPA up over 4.0. Um, but it used to be that, you know, you could go for that 4.7 or 8, and that's no longer a, a, a worry anymore. We're kind of limiting it to 4.25 now is the max. So you don't have to worry about that quite so much. But the other thing is, is to get on the Cal Poly website and, and see what our requirements are. For engineering, you've got to have the math and the science um, and the English classes. And, and it's just just take math every year. Just have your kids take math every year. Now with that, does that mean you're gonna get in? Well, if you wanna be a computer science engineer, unless you're like the top, top lesson, you know, better than 1%, probably not. But for ag engineering and our other degree, which is ag systems management, I didn't fill my class. I did not fill my class for the fall of 2021. So. Uh, we had in 2020, we had 105 applications. Uh, 92 of those were deemed uh, to be meeting our requirements. And we ended up with 58 enrolled. So in my mind, that's a pretty darn good odds. So if uh, of that 92, if all 92 had come, we'd have taken all 92. So, you know, we were at almost 85% of, of those who, of applications that were eligible. So again, they had taken the math classes and whatnot, um, and had a, a GPA of around 3.9 to 4.0 or above, um, you would have been an eligible student. And, and so 90% of you would have been accepted. Um, so um, I think that that it's not a place you you can say, no, I don't want to apply. Why apply? Because of, I'm not ready for it. But if you've got a 3.9 and an unweighted, so in other words, counting all those AP classes, you, you have a good chance of getting in, especially in the bioresource and ag engineering and the ag systems management. Um, so, and if you go into one of the other ag uh, programs after the first quarter, you can, you can uh, move into the ASM or uh, um, BRACE systems. Now the ASM students at my ag systems management, a lot of them minor in water. So they take most of the classes that the BRACE do and end up with a really strong um, strong drinking ability, strong knowledge in, in how to space your beers out through the night. So uh, that's that's another great program. Our Ag Systems Management program is a is a great program. So um, again, it's not it's it's not that difficult to get into bioresource and ag engineering. And, and like I say, we did not fill our class this year. We normally have 55 gray, and this year we ended up with 35. And we normally have 25 ASM, and we ended up with a, like 12 or 13. So both coming out of transfer, make sure you check your transfer and coming directly in. It just isn't, it isn't what it, you know, it's not what it used to be. And it's not as difficult as trying to get into a computer science or say mechanical engineering. And really it's the same degree as the mechanical engineers. So it's, um, a, it's an accredited program. We know uh, at the start of COVID, there was just a decline in uh, people applying to colleges, right? Is is that over? Are you guys back? We never saw it. We we were within a thousand applications. We were at sixty-five thousand pre-COVID. We were at sixty-four thousand the previous year, and this year we were back up above sixty-five thousand. So uh, we did not see the decline. I was really surprised in the department to see the decline, but as a university, we did not see the decline in the number of applications to come here. Yeah. So that was great. Uh, that's some great advice that you gave for students and uh, and parents. Um, I was also wondering, you know, for those of us in the industry, in the irrigation industry, that want to support your program, uh, whether it's an individual or a corporation, uh, what's some of the things that we can be doing? Okay, so um, 
you know, textbook learning is great, but it doesn't compare to being out in the field and doing labs. And so those labs cost us quite a bit of money and so do field trips. And so we're always looking for financial support for donations um, to help with labs and, um, uh, and, and just the, the, the and, and from industry to help with, uh, you know, drip tubing and piping and everything that we need to conduct the, the, the labs uh, for the students themselves. Um, just as an example, Hunter sponsors a class to come down to San Diego on a two day field trip and they pay for the, the hotel and the meals when they're down in San Diego. We're so appreciative of that. Then uh, the sponsors from the botanical gardens at the Balboa Park are there to take the students around. And the same with all the folks that show our students around Dodger Stadium. So they get that underground look at, at the irrigation control systems under Dodger Stadium. And they get to look at the, uh, at the, the, the exterior plantings and how they, how they beautify the Dodger Stadium. So that's an example of a tour that is sponsored by Hunter. Um, we take tours on two-day tours to Central Valley and all of the folks from the irrigation districts and the farmers that we meet with out there were so appreciative of that. So just keep in contact with, with Dr. Gowdy on, on doing those kinds of things. Um, I have a research project that's a factory, a plant factory, and IDC and Priva are huge donations from them um, to, to help set up the irrigation system in those in that plant factory, and we're so appreciative of the donations of just equipment from IDC and Priva on that. So um, just as a, as a reminder, it, it's a, a one-day bus is, these days is about $3,000, so really hits my budget to get a, a, a you know 40 students out in the field to look at an irrigation system. So uh, that would be great. Uh, and all of these uh, donations really are used to train your, our students on how to use your equipment. So we, we really appreciate everything that we get from you guys. Um, and again, we're in the business of producing a well-trained workforce and you're in the workforce acquisition business. So the worst thing you can do is is not have students that are ready day one to come out and, and operate your systems and know what to do. So, um, and that's what our students really are, we're proud of is ready for that is that they come out and they're ready to go. Yeah, now those are great. Uh, and so between uh, IDC, Agri Valley and Jane, we've got a lot of Cal Poly grads and uh, we really, uh, really value them. And we really look to Cal Poly for, uh, for um, um, good people. And, and that works out great and I know Dr. Gowdy, you've had uh, your, your classes to the Jane Factory in Fresno often and, and, uh, yeah. and always enjoy meeting the students. So um, Dr. Gowdy, for you, what, 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 where is the uh, IRTC um, headed uh, uh, as far as the future, some of the uh, good projects you're looking forward to uh, in, in the next few years? Yeah, um, first uh, I'd like to, you know, I think, uh, Eric's on this call, and I know that he's been very supportive of our field trips in the past. You know, he's uh, he's organized factory tours and and uh, worked with Agri Valley and IDC to show us stuff out in the field too, and so forth. So I, I do appreciate that. You know, uh, the industry support that since I've been teaching has been incredible um, uh, from the IA level, you know, the national level, all the way down to uh, you know our local growers and. Uh, and it's just one of the things I always tell students when, you know, we're on a bus somewhere is like, you know, there's, there's not, in my opinion, there's not really a better industry to be in, you, you know, you're outside and, and a bunch of great people like, like everybody that's on this call. So, uh, so thank you guys for, for supporting us and showing us around and so forth. Um, in terms of where we're going, uh, one of the things that we've been working with uh, lately is uh, the SCE and PG&E. Um, they are, you know, uh, with the brownouts and the blackouts and all the, you know, all the power crisis that we had, we just had one not that long ago, if you guys recall. Um, they're really looking to uh, improve uh, irrigation uh, specs of equipment to try to reduce your uh, power consumption, as Dr. Livingston was talking about before, that, that economics stuff, you know, where you, you buy a small pipe because it's cheap now, but it costs you a lot of money over the long run, right? And so, um, we're working with them to try to come up with specifications that uh, dealers can use and so forth to, to minimize uh, the long-term operating cost. Um, you know, we also have been working with uh, dealers and, and uh, manufacturers on, uh, you know, performance specs of their equipment. You know, can we, how do we make this stuff better, right? And 
Jane, for example, has a whole internal testing facility where they are trying to make their equipment better uh, all the time. All, a lot of manufacturers are doing that, right? That, that's, the, that's the beauty of a competitive market, right? Is uh, you have to have a good product at a, at a fair price. Uh, so they're constantly doing that. And so we, we get involved in that a little bit as a third party. Um, you know, one of the biggest ways that, uh, one of the biggest things I think we're doing in the future is we're trying to produce these students that you guys can hire, right? And uh, um, you, if you just think about who's retiring in your, in your you know, um, company right now, right? And we're in the next year, uh, somebody has to replace that person. And, uh, and so we are, we're really doing our best to work with you guys uh, to figure out what, it, what do you guys need we're modifying classes to try to meet those needs. And, uh, and so that's one of our long-term goals in the, at the ITRC, the Irrigation Training Research Center, is to support Bray, the Power Resource and Engineering Department, by, by filling the void in the irrigation realm, right? Bray supports mechanical, electrical, you know, civil, the whole gamut, but we're, we're really focused on trying to make sure that students are qualified in the, uh, in the irrigation realm. And, uh, one of the other things that some of you may not know, but uh, uh, Landsat 9 is going to launch in September, so next month, supposedly. And that's a, a project between, uh, you know, the USDA and NRCS and uh, NASA. And they're going to be offering uh, better images of uh, your crops and so forth. And so we have this program called Metric where we can make estimates, really good estimates of how much water is being consumed from a photo. And, uh, and so we're pushing forward with uh, improving uh, our accuracy in doing that. And, and this Landsat 9 is gonna help us uh, hopefully uh, get better at it. So that way, you know, when we're helping answer those questions for, for Sigma that you guys are all dealing with, that we can, we can do it better. And we have several students right now, they're grad students that are, that are helping learn that software and, uh, and they'll be available, you know, in the coming months or next year, I guess, to, uh, uh, to help maybe you at your company. So, uh, you know, there's lots of stuff, uh, lots of stuff to work on, lots of needs. And, you know, we're, we're trying to fill uh, the void uh, as much as we can to keep up with, with you guys in the industry because uh, it, it's kind of moving rapidly right now, right? The, the technology and so forth. So that's our, that's where we're pushing forward, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting and so fascinating. Uh, like I said, I wish I could, wish I could enroll uh, next next month. I'd like to be there. Um, I'll talk to Eric for you. Please, yeah, <laughs> Eric Wilson, the president of Jane, please uh, work that out for me if you could. Okay. You know, I, I don't know about you, Richard, but I, given what, how I graduated and what I did at the high school, I couldn't get in here. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know about you, but I couldn't have gotten in here. The, our students are amazing that this we are so appreciative of the students, the kids that you guys from, from out there send us. So thanks and keep doing it. Yeah. Okay, we just have time for one last question and it's for Dr. Livingston. And I'm just wondering, um, there's a lot of great ag technology out there, great uh, irrigation technology uh, from Jane. Uh, how do we get growers to use this technology uh, more frequently? You know, it's, it's economically driven. Uh, starting next year, we're going to be paying time and a half over eight hours. And so labor is going to be a key issue. And power and water costs are going to go up. The water rights, you know, and the cost of is, is the depth of water drops, the cost of pumping is going to go up. And so I, I don't think we're going to have to do much. I think that the, the farmers that stay in business are going to be the ones that realize that they need to move technology forward. Um, on the farming side and that they need to move to, you know, VFD pumps and motors and, 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 and know what they're doing on the irrigation side, conserving as much as they can, looking at their crops and saying, oh, you know, it's maybe this year, you know, we have to reduce our acreage or something to, to, so that we make sure that we optimize the yields off of what we can. But uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I think that if it were to rain a lot next year, that would just give everybody a false sense of hope that the drought is over and and just look at this this year as we're back in a drought and two years ago we had a lot of rain so i think that we're in it for the long haul and and the farmers know it and the farmers are going to going to make their decisions hopefully wise decisions based on their pocketbook yeah you know that's one of the, i asked that question to a lot of people and that's one of the best responses i've ever heard it actually makes me feel comfortable 
because one thing's for sure, uh, I know a lot of growers and they're some of the best business people I've ever run into, right? If they weren't, they couldn't be doing what they're doing. And uh, the economics will play out. I think, I think that's great. Well, listen, um, guys, thank you so much, Dr. Livingston, Dr. Gowdy, for joining us today. This was uh, uh, really uh, interesting. Uh, I learned a lot, as I always do, from, uh, from you guys. So thanks for that. Uh, to our audience, thank you guys for hanging in there with us again today. As you know, all our trainings are on our website, uh, jamesusa.com forward slash trainings. They're all free. You can watch them there. Uh, we're also wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, you know, we take the audio and uh, put it into a podcast. And, and, and one thing that's been great lately is to see all our podcast downloads. Uh, it's great to see people educating themselves while they're out working. Uh, that's always very helpful to me. So uh, Dr. Gowdy, Dr. Livingston, thanks again. Really appreciate it. Everybody has a great weekend and uh, we'll be back on Wednesday. We're going to talk about uh, uh, irrigation for uh, indoor growing, uh, particularly cannabis. So it should be uh, really interesting. So thanks very much, everybody. Have All a great right. Weekend. Thank you, everyone. Have a great weekend. Bye now. Thanks.